Welcome to UXchange, the podcast where we explore the fascinating world of user experience research. My name is Jeremy, and I'll be your host as we dive into the answers to the most common questions, best practices, life stories, readings from famous bloggers from the front lines of UX research. Whether you're a seasoned researcher or just starting out, this podcast is for you. So sit back, grab your favorite beverage, and join us as we discover the secrets to creating exceptional user experiences. Hello, UX folks. And today for this first episode to kickstart this podcast, I'll be talking about the whiteboard challenge. I've been asked a lot of times, how do you deal with the UX whiteboard challenge during UX research interviews? So this is an exercise that is really dreaded among the UX community because maybe you fear about the blank page and not having any ideas. And this is totally normal. Okay. Here, the problem is you have to think under pressure. Uh, And you have to prove everyone around the table that you're able to think, organize your thoughts to answer the question that is asked to you. And we all know that what you fear most is what you should do anyway. I don't remember who said it, by the way. So in the next minutes during this podcast, the objective of this podcast is to give you a framework to answer the whiteboard challenge. The idea is that not only this framework should be useful for you for the recruitment process, but it can also serve to you as a tool for all your UX research projects to come in your careers. Like at the beginning of each UX research project as a stakeholders interviews guide, for instance. So pretty cool, no? So it is important that you have in mind that you will be evaluated during the uh, whiteboard challenge on your ability to follow a process and not on the final answer. So you're a researcher after all, and you're not being hired as the almighty fortune teller. As a researcher, you conduct research, right? So, and research is a process. So thinking before acting is probably one of the best pieces of advice I have uh, have been given in my whole life and as a UX researcher. For instance, as Albert Einstein already said, if I had an hour to solve a problem, I'd spend 55 minutes thinking about the problem and five minutes thinking about the solution. Well, I think it's a good piece of advice to keep in mind when ultimately you're confronted with the whiteboard challenge or any problem in your life or any problem in your ex research. So now a couple of things to consider uh, when you are asked to run the whiteboard challenge. So first of all, don't think alone, please, please. Do not think alone. So the whiteboard challenge is intended to mirror the real life scenario of a UX research project conducted at the company that you're being interviewed for, right? So as such, it's intended to measure among others, your ability to collaborate. Why? Because it's extremely difficult to build a good and viable product alone in any case. And so in real life, Of course, you will need managers, designers, engineers, data analysts to help you frame your problem and in the end to build an awesome product. UX design in and by itself is a collaborative and interactive process. And to be conducted properly, it relies on a lot on you asking the right questions as a UX researchers. So here are the steps I would advise 
you to follow when confronted with a whiteboard challenge. So first of all, prepare a list of questions to ask the interviewer or the stakeholders. So here is a list of questions that I'm about to give you that you can ask yourself or the interviewer or the stakeholder and to ask them further information to answer the prompt. So this list is not intended to be comprehensive nor an absolute list to follow during a whiteboard challenge. And by the way, this audio is taken as well from a Medium article that I wrote about this. So I'm the author of this article and I'm giving it to you as an audio excerpt. So for instance, you could ask some before we begin questions. So for instance, it's it may seem kind of a really sneaky, but the first question you could ask could be simply, can you please repeat the statement? Because it will serve multiple purposes. The first one, it will make help you make sure that you understood the question. And two, at the same time your interviewer is repeating the question, it will also save you some time to think and to gather your thoughts because as long as the interviewer hasn't finished stating the problem, well, the time is not running. So imagine they give you 15, se 15 minutes, sorry. They give you 15 minutes as long as the interviewer hasn't finished saying to you the prompt and answering your questions, the 15 minutes are not starting. So it can buy you some time. You can also ask them to define the terms. Defining the terms is super important to make sure that you understood the prompt correctly. Then you can ask, what are the goals of this challenge? What I mean by that is asking them, what are the expected deliverables? In other words, what are the criteria for success in the eyes of your um, interviewer? And then to, to kickstart everything, it could be helpful to ask, is there any research previously conducted on the user on this same problem or on a related problem that you could use as a way to start? Now, as a side note, it's really important for me to specify some things before we move on. At every point during this whiteboard challenge, the interviewer may or may not answer partly or wholly all your research questions. And what I mean by that is that sometimes they have the answers and they will not provide them to you uh, specifically because it's confidential or because it's not relevant or because it will not help you uh, in the time frame that you have at this moment. Or sometimes they just don't have the answers. And so in this case, they will ask you to make assumptions. So you have to be comfortable with not knowing the answer and you have to be comfortable with the fact of having to make assumptions to move forward. So then, about the next type of questions. Now we will address the why questions. The questions that start with why in general or what or how, but questions that are kind of open that can help you frame the problem. The goal of these questions are to help you understand your goal. So, for instance, why are we building this product or feature? Why is it important? What problem are we trying to solve? What impact does it have on the world? Or on the user? Or on the business? How does it extend the company's mission? Why are we conducting this research, first of all? And how does this research benefit the stakeholders? Then, the who questions. Who are we building this product for? Or, in other words, who are our users? To whom will benefit this research? And 
What are the categories of people who have significantly different motivations for using the products? Maybe at this specific moment, the interviewer can inform you very precisely on the types of personas or the segmentation of customers. And having this information can be crucial then to select your research methods. And now let's cover the when and where questions. When and where is a product used? Is there any trigger causing the need to use the product? This type of questions can help you come up already with a type of pre-made customer journey. To have already an idea of the steps the customers go through or the users go through when interacting with your product. Then, about the what questions. What are we building? What is the current state of the product? And by the way, this question is a question that any US researcher should ask him or herself at any moment in their career at any project, in my opinion. Then, what is the main user flow for this experience? This is kind of very related. What are the current customers' pain points? What is the status of the competition? What are the business needs? What are the data that you can share related to this issue? This question will show several aspects to your interviewer. First of all, that you think 360. You think about, you're thinking about the customer, needs, pain points, and so on, but also about the data. And data is super important, at least to back up some assumptions and also to frame better the problem. And also it will show that you have some skills related to collaboration, because as I was saying at the beginning, you cannot be a UX designer and work alone. You have to collaborate with many different disciplines. And so asking the, this question will show the interviewer that if you are in a team with data analysts, you will go along very well. Then what do we want to know? Do we want to evaluate an existing design or do we want to define our customers' needs, motivations, and pain points? What emotions are users currently experiencing when using the product? And ultimately, what are the timelines and constraints of this research? Asking this question will show the recruiter that you're able to provide a plan for research that adapts to deadlines, meaning your strategy can be realistic to implement. That shows that you're able to think strategically with the needs of a company in mind and this contributes to the actionability of your research. Now about how questions. How can we measure the success of the research or of the solution? Think in this case of traditional UX research metrics, such as task success rate, task completion time, retention, revenue, conversion, user acquisition, super costs, and so on. Then prepare a space to take note of your answers and to share your process transparently to the recruiter. So in a nutshell, I have already been confronted to a whiteboard challenge in the past and I successfully passed it. So I was recruited for the target company. How did I do it? Well, I did it on a blank sheet of paper and the interview was remote. That means I was through Zoom. So to be honest, that's not the best option. I felt at many times that my interviewers could not see directly what were my intentions. What was I thinking? And where was I planning to go? Because I couldn't show at every second where I was in, in my thinking 
what I was writing on paper. I will not show that every second to the camera. Nevertheless, it worked really well. I think in any case, what really matters is showing your process and your thinking. But in the end, I think it will be better to do it digitally for several reasons. The first one is that UX research nowadays is a job that includes many digital tools for collaboration, such as Miro, such as Figma, and so on. Google Docs, for instance. And so using this kind of tools at the recruiting interview will show your recruiter that you're already at ease with these tools. It may not seem that important, but I think that at this step and at this stage, everything matters in the eyes of a recruiter. Maybe not equally, but it can contribute to win some points. It may help you to show your recruiter directly that you are thinking, I mean by that, where you're headed directly. Because as soon as you're writing inside the mural, for instance, or any other board you would like to use, you're directly communicating your intentions. So it's really instantaneous. Step number three, rephrase the prompt as a problem statement. So rephrase your prompt so that it looks like a problem statement. And so a problem statement may take many forms, to be honest, but in general, in UX research, I would advise to take the following. As a, and then you insert type of user, I need, you insert a need, so that, or because, and you insert an insight. And this is not meant to be rigid because your problem statement can be applied also to your stakeholder. You can have a problem statement for your stakeholder. As a insert company, we would like to insert problem, insert need, so that insert outcome. And there are a lot of articles on the internet and I deeply agree that you, we should take our stakeholders as our users as well. So it can totally fit. Number four, outline your strategy. So in order to track facts and assumptions as they are given to you by the interviewer, you can make use of the previously created board that I was referring to before as a starting point. And you could categorize all the information that the interviewer gave you before into three main categories. I call that a knowledge board. These three categories being what we know, what are the facts, what we don't know, what are the research questions, and what we think we know. These would be the assumptions. And write your problem statement at the top to always have it in mind throughout the exercise. And so as I was saying, you would use the answers that were provided to you by your interviewer to progress in your thinking and always link your discussions to the prompt or what was previously answered. It is super important, by the way, that you also think out loud to reveal to the interviewer the process that you're following. It shows also a lot of collaboration. Now, outline your research questions and hypothesis. And it's super easy here because if you follow the process that I gave you before, well, you already have them. What we don't know are the research questions and what we think we know are the hypotheses. Of course, you may have many. This is the moment to indicate to your interviewer if it is the case that you cannot address everything and that you need to prioritize. But by then, you would already have a lot of indicators to help you to prioritize. Maybe 
the interviewer would have already mentioned some business aspects that really make sense to tackle in this research, or maybe that some users are predominant. Here, with these elements in mind, first, you would prioritize your research questions accordingly to answer uh, these specific aspects that your interviewer indicated. Then you would define who would be your participants, and this is really related to the previous point. You would justify your choice. Here, to make things as simple as possible, always bear in mind that unless some specific cases are considered, we would like to conduct research with users representative, rep, excuse me, representative of your product. And then adjust the target depending on the research needs. For instance, frequent users, recent buyers, and so on. I may add here that this aspect of wanting to have representative participants is not always true. It depends on the research questions. So for instance, if you want to understand why you're losing customers, well, in your representative participants, you would have customers that recently left or stopped using your app. Or if you want to understand why people are not coming to your service, well, maybe it would be wise to interview customers from the competitor. Then define your research methods. Here it's not only important to define the research methods you will use, but also to justify your choice. And here you may ask yourself, but how can I know what would be the right research method for the question that I'm asked? Well, to be honest, it depends. <laughs> this is what we say the favorite UX researcher sentence. It depends. If you ask the right questions before, you will already know by then what kind of research methods, let's say, um, you, you would need to use. You're evaluated on the process, to be honest. So maybe it's also an opportunity for you to chill. Uh, you will not be evaluated on your uh, ability to choose the exact research method because there is no, never one only research method to answer one problem. There are always several potential research methods to be considered. And by the way, this happened to me a lot in my experience and my previous whiteboard challenge. I gave my interviewer different possibilities to do research. I think I mentioned a interview, an entire studies, or only diary studies, or survey. It really depends. So what is really important here is not the answer, is how you come up with it and how all of it makes sense. So just don't freak out at this moment. But still, yeah, to help you, of course, we have some methods that are more related to some research questions than others, of course. So for instance, if the recruiter mentioned that there is a need to define user needs, motivations, goals, and so on, of course. Here, you are confronted with discovery research. So in this case, in general, think qualitative research because you want to explain why, why users behave the way they behave, how do they behave, and so on. And so think, for instance, speed of use, diary studies, ethnographic research, focus groups, and so on. On the contrary, if the interviewer mentioned that there is a need to evaluate the design before or after it is launched, if there is something to show and to evaluate on the user side, and you want to have recommendations to improve on the design, an evaluative research in general would be the way to go. So in this case, think about usability study, tree testing, car sorting, these last two methods being used for information architecture redesign in general.
And once you have your methods, define some questions if you have time or extract of some user scripts. So for instance, for usability tests, provide an example of the task you would use. And for interviews, roughly provide some sections of the interview along with some question. For instance, here I would ask about uh, their day-to-day. -day. Here I would ask about what do they know about our app or something like this. Or what frustrates them? What don't they understand? All of that. Mention as well the analysis techniques you will use. Briefly mentioning, for instance, okay, if I run an interview, I would use an affinity diagram to in extract the insights. Pretty common, I know, but this could be the way to go. And if it is a survey, you can mention that you would use some descriptive statistics, for instance. Uh, then you have some specifics for some specific research methods. So for instance, color sorting has some specific uh, metrics that are derived. And also then once you have all that, mention the potential deliverables that you would hand to your recruiter. This shows several things. The first one is show that you're well-rounded as a UX researcher because you're thinking about the problem as a whole, not only giving the results, how do you give them? And by deliverable, I mean here UX deliverable. Is it a customer journey? Are they personas? And here the same as your methods justify why. Why would customer journey make sense here? Because maybe it's a process that your customer is going through with several steps. So it makes sense. Why personas? Well, because we have different kinds of users with different needs, motivations, and pain points. So in this case, of course, personas would be the way to go. But again, here, it always follows a process. If you follow the process step by step, everything will go smoothly. Mention as well the next steps. This will help to show accountability in your side and that you are a proactive thinker, that you own the research project as a whole. It also shows that you are able to project yourself further than only this research project and that you take the needs of the company into account and potential synergies with other research projects. So here, for instance, you can think about how you will make sure that the insights are actionable. For instance, running a, a workshop could be a good way. Or what could be the limits of this research? How would you address them? Or what would be the next steps? Could it be a new product iteration? Or could it be a new research? A lot of things can be considered here. And to finish, I would just mention some considerations. If at any point you think that the timing you have been given is too short for the problem at hand, you can mention that to the interviewer. Just don't freak out. You can mention that we will focus on only one problem, one use case, one persona, giving some uh, reasoning behind. So for instance, uh, I will tackle this persona because this is a dominant one. Or I will tackle this use case because this is the most recurring problem. So it makes sense to tackle it because this is where we could save a lot of money, for instance. This is really rational here. And in any case, do not, men do not forget to mention that although you didn't address this, it could still be a good way to go to address it further in a subsequent study, for instance. That's all for this episode of UXchange. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a review and share with your friends and colleagues. And be sure to tune in next time for more insights, tips, and stories from the world of UX research. Until then, keep exploring, keep learning, and keep making the world a better place, one user at a time.